when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Sari Delamont here with you, a.k.a. the Attorney Whisperer. I want to thank everyone for continuing to tune in during these very uncertain times. I often batch podcasts, and so after I've done four of them, by the time the fourth one lands, so much has changed in the world. And so this first one of a batch should be the most relevant and boy, has the world changed. I mean, we've had COVID on us and now with the um, George Floyd and the protests and all of that going on, um, it's it's a very different reality and what we're living in and a very, very important conversation to be had. And I hope and pray that change will be coming from this. And I would like to hear from my listeners on how you are helping produce change where racism is concerned. I'm realizing every moment, every day, my privilege as a white person and a white woman and how that is not true of our black sisters and brothers. And so I just wanted to take a moment here to highlight the fact that although we are all together in this, in that those of us who want to erase uh, racism and not just say that it exists, but be anti-racist, we are not in it together in that we are not experiencing what people of color in this uh, world and particularly here in our country are experiencing. And so I just wanted to speak to that and say that um, we are here to listen and we are here to help. And we do not expect you, um, our, our brothers and sisters of color, to educate us. That is on us. And I um, am doing that uh, educating as we speak and donating where I can and listening and attempting to be of service. If you are a person of color, particularly a black uh, lawyer who listens to this podcast and you would like to come on to the show and talk to the rest of us, uh, I'd say trial lawyers. I'm not a trial lawyer, of course, but to the audience of trial lawyers, please reach out to me. It's sorry at sorrydlm.com. I would love to provide a platform uh, for those of you whose voices do need to be heard during this time. All righty. Well, uh, today, we're going to be starting a three-part series. If you've been following me for a while, you know about two or three podcasts ago, I did a recap on the uh, underdog webinar that Jesse Wilson of Tell the Winning Story and I did together in the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group. Again, if you're not a member of the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group, I invite you to join. That's where we get to talk about the podcast. People are sharing their experiences in the From Hostage to Hero journey. And it certainly is a journey. And that's what we're talking about today. I mean, so so much of this work started, you know, when I started with the um, From Hostage to Hero method, so to speak, it was all about the idea and the belief that jurors are hostages. And once we understand that, we can change that experience for jurors. And as I was writing the book, 
Then I recognized that not only are jurors hostages, lawyers are hostages, and that, that this has been such a, a message that I think has resonated that you have to free yourself first before you can work on helping to free the jury. And as the next three podcasts will go into more depth, we also hold our client as hostage and trial holds our client as hostage, meaning the plaintiff themselves. And so I want to talk about how we can help free the client as well. So that's what we're doing over there in the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group is we're looking at various um, conversations that are being had, where you are in your journey. Um, it's also a place of uplifting memes and funny jokes. And so we just invite you to come over there and hang out with us. You need to answer three questions to get vetted to be in the group, but we're almost at 800 members growing steadily. And um, so the webinar that I did with Jesse Wilson talked about the the power of the underdog and the underdog story. And if you haven't either seen the webinar, you can watch the replay in the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group, or you can go listen to Stop Victimizing Your, I think it's called Your Client. Let me look at what it's called. Stop Victimizing Your Client, Yourself, and the Jurors. Uh, which was, like I said, a couple of episodes ago from this episode. And in that episode, I talked about the idea that you set the tone at trial for how both the jury views the client, the plaintiff, and how the client views themselves. And so that was of such interest to so many people and to me myself that I wanted to really flesh this out. And I will warn you in advance, my friends, what I'm about to talk about and what I'm about to say is going to hit some people really wrong because we have, um, how can I put this, really clinged to our version of who the client is for so long that really getting what I'm saying today is going to be a complete paradigm shift for many of you. And so I invite you to engage in a conversation about this instead of just turning your mind off. This is new for me as well as I think about this and my coaching work and how this applies to the client. And it's really struck me in the last month. And that's why I'm flushing it out here in the podcast for you. So this is not hard and fast, but it is something that I think is important that we at least look at. So when we're talking about the concept that your client is not broken, I think what comes up for a lot of people is, especially trial attorneys, who's who I'm talking to here today, of course they're broken. That's the point. That's why we do what we do, is that we're trying to make them whole. And so I'm going to really challenge you on that in today's episode, because how we hold our clients has the ability to change absolutely everything. Now, what do I mean by hold? Well, how we hold something is just really a way of saying how we containerize it or believe things about it. Kind of like a belief, belief system. What we believe is true about our clients. So for example, as a coach trained in the coactive method, um, co Coaches Training Institute is where both my husband Kevin and I have been trained and certified in the coaching method of coactive coaching. We hold all of our clients as naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. Meaning, we do not believe that clients come to us because they are broken. We believe that clients come to us because they want to move forward in their lives in a different 
way, in a new way, and see themselves more clearly and have a more fulfilled and engaged life. And that really affects how we end up coaching our clients. Because here's the whole point as we're talking about this today, is how we view the problem is the problem. You've probably heard that before. If I look at my clients as problems to be solved, then of course I will go and try to be the problem solver. Now that doesn't work for a variety of reasons. One, if I try to solve their problem, then I become the answer and they lose agency, which is what we're going to be talking about a lot today. Uh, Two, when I focus on the problem, I'm not focusing on the person and who they are. Problem is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just what's showing up in their lives. It does not represent their entire lives. And there's all kinds of other problems with holding the client as a problem to be solved. But the point I'm trying to make here early on in the podcast is how we hold our clients, whether that's coach with client, meaning you guys are my clients, my trial attorney clients, um, or you with your clients, that is going to shape the experience that your client has, not to mention the experience that you have. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about why your client is not broken, even if they have been injured, some extremely injured, that still does not make them broken. Why holding and why holding them as broken is very problematic and gets in your way. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to empower your clients. Okay. So they can have a different experience as you take them through this experience of trying to recover both monetarily and mentally and emotionally. In the third episode of this series, we're going to talk about how you, the trial attorney, has to have very strong boundaries when you're dealing with clients because I see this this is really the third place we get in trouble is we first hold our client as broken and then we disempower them. And because of that, we take on way too much responsibility. We have no boundaries around it and we become very tired and depleted, which means we cannot do the work that it is that we're supposed to be doing. So that's the three-part series that you're going to be getting over the next three weeks, right? So today is all about how to change your view that your client is broken and not hold them that way. So let's talk about why this is a problem. So when we hold our clients as broken, you know, as I said in the in the last uh, podcast on this topic, and as Jesse and I talked about in that webinar, is that one of the first things we constantly hear from you as trial consultants is what your client cannot do. They can't do this. They can't do that. They can't do this. They can't do that. This is how they're injured. This is how they're different. And when we, this, what I'm saying here is not that we're, that's, those things aren't true. What I'm saying is the lens makes all the difference. You know, the lens is the map. It's the way that we look at the world. And if we change the way that we look at our clients, we change our client map, so to speak, that has the power to change everything. Here's why. Currently, when we hold the client as broken, this is a problem for a couple reasons actually more than a couple. One I've already mentioned briefly. It creates a dependency model, okay? It says, I or you in this case, 
am the one that is going to fix all of this. And you are the one that just needs to be passive and and wait on me to make this okay for you. Now, as we're going to talk about in the third podcast in this series, or the third episode in this series about boundaries, this is really dangerous for you to create a dependency model because it gives you too much responsibility for the client and their lives. What we don't want in coaching or here with trial uh, trial attorney and client is to create a dependency model. You are an advocate. You know, when I'm coaching my clients, I say the way that coaching is different than therapy, for example, is that it is an equal relationship. I mean, there's many ways that it's different than therapy in that we don't diagnose, we are not there to heal anything, we are there to help you become better observers of yourself so that you can make better and better choices and be more informed about who you are and what's important so you can move forward in your lives. So in therapy... It is not an equal relationship. You have a professional, uh, medical professional in most cases, and you have a patient. So you are professional. I am a professional in terms of a coach, but the relationship should be one of equality, meaning you are professional in that you are helping your client navigate the, the court system, the legal system, right? But you are not above them, uh, in, in that you you are somehow creating this experience in that you have all, all the power and they have very little. And yet that's what happens when we hold them as broken. Because that, that's the second reason why this is problematic is that when we hold our clients as broken, we remove agency from them. We remove the ability for them to have power in their lives. You know, it reminds me of a a corporate client that came in to do coaching with me for about a year. And the reason that she came in for coaching and that that she was sent for coaching, in fact, um, they said, you know, she's been chosen as a uh, candidate for to succeed the um, this particular role in the company. And we just think she needs some coaching around her communication and some more confidence. And of course, I never take coaching clients without talking to the client themselves to see if they want coaching. And now I don't even do corporate coaching anymore. I only work with trial attorneys. But, uh, and funny enough, she was a corporate lawyer, so still kind of in the realm. But she came to me and she said, you know, I'm going for this position and I'm not even sure, you know, what they're looking for. And I don't know that I have what it takes and, and can, I, can I be fixed, basically, was our first conversation. Is this something that can even be fixed? And notice how she'd given all of her power to me. I mean, I could have easily said, if I was not trained or an asshole, nope, it can't be fixed. I'm sorry. Because she gave me all that power. But that's what we do in these situations, don't we? As coaches or as trial attorneys or people in in expertise is we allow our clients to create this dependency model in which they come to us and kind of give over their power and then we are expected to fix them. And so one of the first things I did with this client is I, I asked her, do you even want this position? What would make this something that you would want? What would, what's your yes, no list? What are, you, what are you totally willing to do to get this? What are you not willing to do to get this? And you know, we started to really cue in to what was important to her 
she started to take her power back. She started to go, well, wait a minute. Maybe I don't even want this job. If this is going to require me to do ABC, then I don't want it. Now, we're not saying that the job did require her to do ABC. What we, what we did do in our coaching training or in our, in our time with coaching, uh, in our time together coaching, man, that took a while to get that out, um, is determine what was important to her and what lines could not be crossed. And that gave her agency. When we create a dependency model, we take agency away. Isn't that what's already been taken? from our clients when they've been injured through no fault of their own, they have no agency. They come to us because they don't know how to navigate the legal system. And what do we do? By holding them as broken, we continue to take their agency away. We say, listen, the only thing that you can we can do is throw you at the mercy of the jurors and we hope they 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 vote your way, but you know, that's all we can do. And we 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 further victimize them. Now, if you're listening, you might be thinking, but sorry, that is how it is. No, it's not. And I'm going to talk to you about why that is in just a minute. But let's continue why this is still and continues to be a problem. It's a problem because it gives them an identity that is not their true identity. When we hold them as broken, we communicate, you are broken. And that, my friends, is the biggest problem of all isn't it? They already feel broken. And then they come to us and we say, boy, are you ever broken? This is terrible. Let's just continue to talk about how broken you are. You know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to tell the jury how broken you are. And I'm going to talk about your brokenness for the next several years until we even get to trial. And that's the only topic of conversation we're ever going to have is how fucking broken you are. Don't you think that's going to have an effect on your client? and how they show up in court? Don't you think that's going to have an effect on you and how you show up? And this is what we're talking about in the third episode in this series about boundaries, because when you continue to hold your client as broken, then that puts you in the role of savior. You're their only hope. They're so fucking broken and you're the only thing that can save them. Oh my God, does this set up a huge problem? for both you and your client. Because guess what? You are not their only hope and you do not have control over the outcome. And how fucking dare you even let them believe that you do? You say, well, I don't tell them that I do. No, but you act as though you do. You carry this with you like you do. We got to get this right from the very beginning. That this, our clients are not broken. Now, let me give you an analogy to show you what I mean. If you have your wallet stolen, are you broken? No. Something has been taken away from you, but that does not mean that you are broken. Now, the other side can say, well, I didn't mean to take your wallet. I didn't mean, it wasn't on purpose. And any jury on the universe is going to say, well, then fucking give it back. Okay. And the other side can say, well, I'm sorry, I did take your wallet, but now it's destroyed. Uh, so I can't really give it back. <laughs> Any journey on the planet's going to be like, well, you better give something back. And here's where you guys really get stuck is you're going to say, okay, well, here, here's, here's where this fits in your analogy, sorry, is I took your wallet and you seem fine without it. 
you're doing really great actually without it. So why should I fucking give it back? Now think about how absurd that is when we think about that in the, in the wallet analogy. But that's what you're afraid of, isn't it? If I don't hold my client as broken, then what jury's going to give them money? And what I'm telling you, think about the wallet analogy. If I take the wallet away and you're still doing fine, that doesn't mean I still don't have to fucking give you back your wallet. That's what jurors see and they will see. The, the problem here is that we, pity is condescending. It's fucking condescending. And we say, well, I don't pity my client. But yes, you do if you hold them as broken. I mean, we can talk here all day long about how jurors don't know how to award damages because they have no idea how to make this right. I mean, money is not going to bring anybody back, right? In wrongful death cases. And money is not going to reattach a leg that has been ripped off of someone or a limb or or set a brain correct that has been irreparably damaged, right? This is the issue that jurors have, do they not? This is why we do not get the verdicts that we should get is because jurors cannot understand how money can fix this. And here's the issue. Money cannot fix it. Let me say that again. Money cannot fix our clients, period. That's not why we're asking the jury to give money. Now, can money fix things? Yes. But money itself cannot reattach limbs, heal brains, or bring back dead people. And therefore, we are communicating an incongruent message when we parade our clients in front of the jury as these broken, horribly broken people. And then the, ju- the jury is thinking, yeah, but what's money going to do? Money doesn't heal. You know what money is, well, you know what heals people? You know what's going to heal your client? Is not remaining a victim. Is reclaiming their identity, a new identity, yes. But is it standing in their power? And that's going to show up in court. When you have a client who has been horribly victimized, but that you have helped reclaim their identity, that you have helped step into their power and recognize that their life is, yes, forever changed, but that they still have purpose, they still have meaning, that is a client that jurors are going to fucking get behind. And, and let me let me just point this out is that we hope our clients show up that way, right? I have so many of you come to me and say, you know, I can't have my client talking about their injuries and whining on, 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 on the stand because this is going to hurt us. Well, let me ask you, how are you holding your client? If you're holding them as broken and all you talk about is their brokenness for years and months up until trial, why the hell would they not get on the stand and whine? You've taught them to do that. You've said to them, this is our only way out, is to really show the world what a victim you are and how broken you are. And what I'm suggesting is that we can fucking change the narrative. And not only can we, we should. Not just because it wins cases, which I believe it does. Go back and listen to the underdog stuff. It absolutely does. We love winners, don't we? (laughs) We love winning stocks. We love winning teams. All of us, most of us, walk by the people holding their hand out 
begging for money. Why? Not because they're wrong, because it makes us uncomfortable. Jurors are the same. They want to get behind a winner. And that is really the, the least amount of reason why we should do this. The most is most of you got into this because you want to help people. And can money help? Yes, of course. I'm not saying anything contrary to that. But money cannot heal. What heals is when people reclaim who they are and live into their new identity with strength and purpose. Can money assist? Can money help? Can money do all those things? Yeah, money is awesome. And that's why we are in this. Yes, for, that's a huge part. But the real healing comes when probably the first person in their lives since this happened looks at them and says, you are not broken. Something has been taken from you and we're going to go in there. We're going to fight to get it back or at least something that represents what was taken and give you that back because that's really all that money is. It's just a message. It's just, it's just energy. It's just something that represents something else. It's just like that wallet. When your wallet's taken from you, you yourself have not been changed. That doesn't mean we shouldn't give you back your wallet. But you yourself are still whole. If we take this and we think about what's happening in the world right now with our black sisters and brothers, how offensive would it be to say to them, you are broken. Let me, let me help you because you're so broken. They're not broken. They've had something taken away from them for years. It would be offensive to tell them that they're broken. Instead, we say, we now see you. We see that something has been taken and we're going to fight with you. We're going to stand beside you to help you take it back. And we may never be able to totally make this right, but we will do what we can to try to equalize this. That's the same thing, my friends, with our clients. Why hold our clients any differently? We're going to stand beside them and fight to get back what was taken, or at least a monetary representation of what was taken. But what we're not doing is holding them as broken and showing the jury how broken they are, and worse, show them how broken they are. That would be the biggest mistake of all. Well, I hope this has at least gotten you thinking about this concept of not holding your client as broken, and that we now start to look at not only freeing ourselves and freeing the jury, but freeing our clients from this identity that we have put on them. And we release them from their hostageness of broken individuals. They are changed, yes. They've had something taken away, yes. But they themselves are not broken. All right, I hope that resonates. I want to hear from you in the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group. If you've not given me a review on this podcast and you're listening to it right now, stop and give me a five-star review if you think it's five-star worthy. And even better... Let me know what you think by typing in a comment there. Really appreciate that. I have some goals, people. Want to get those reviews up. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.